Welcome to Seasons of Spirituality on Web Talk Radio. An open exchange of faith-based ideas and dialogue. Join us each week as we venture into a new world of spirituality. Tis the season. Hi, welcome to Seasons of Spirituality. I'm Julia Doris Williams, author of Leaving Church, Finding Faith, Six Steps for Finding Your Purpose in the World After Leaving the Christian Church, and host of the Finding Faith podcast. I am also one of the hosts of Seasons of Spirituality. Thanks for joining us. Today we are talking to Dolores J. Porter, author of God Doesn't Do Evil That Good May Come, subtitled The Truth About God. Good afternoon, Dolores. It's okay if I call you Dolores? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Welcome to Seasons of Spirituality. How are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on um, this show with you. Oh, and it's a pleasure to finally put a face, face-to-face kind <laughs> of uh, uh, a meeting with us. We've, we've talked on the phone and, it, and it's lovely to see you uh, in person. So, Tell us a little bit about yourself, Dolores. Anything you want to share with our listeners? Well, I've been a Christian all my life. I got saved so young. I don't even remember getting the experience. I just went to the altar with my mother and always prayed with my mother. And um, But I do remember uh, some experiences at about eight and nine years old. Um, I saw a vision of Jesus when I was about eight still small enough to throw myself over my mother's uh, lap. Um, uh, I, I uh, was raised in church and, and, um, and we got to keep our, our uh, calendar or was the visual aids at that time. If we didn't miss any Sunday, Sunday and uh, Sunday school classes and, and brought someone with us. And so I kept at that time and um I love keep it turned to the uh, baby Jesus in the manger. Now, I knew that was a painted picture, but I really, I love Jesus so much. I played church all the time, and I just studied the picture of the baby's face in the manger. And I just said, in my mind, a child's thought, I wonder what Jesus looks like now. All at once, the room turned neon white. Mm. And... I would just lay there and hear Jesus appeared right in the middle. It was his face, his uh, face, uh, chest up. He just smiled at me. It was like, it was just like peripheral visual. And I jumped up and ran, shaking like a leaf and threw myself over my mom's lap. And I said, mom, mom. And and she said I was shaking all over. And I said, I, I just saw Jesus. And she said, well, everyone would love to see Jesus. Wow. Wow. Such a powerful. And I just thought how wonderful that is of God. Yeah. You know, at a child's thought, he hears the child's thought. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've been a hairstylist for 30 years and I started doing hair in my home as a teenager. It was kind of just a gift. And I enjoyed that ministry with people and getting to share with people, getting to pray with people. Um, I love it. So I uh, am still a hairstylist. And that's uh, uh, as, as you know, uh, amongst us girls, we absolutely know we have 
special relationships with our hairstylists, right? Um, yes. <laughs> so a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, uh, heartfelt, real talk happens. Yes. In that and space, they have they have blessed me as much as I, I could have blessed them. Wow, wow! I, I can I can only imagine. Yes. So so we're here to talk about your book. Um, so the setting for this book, as I was as I was preparing for our conversation today, um, the setting for this book is during a, a time of a modern day national tragedy for our country. Is that's that's right, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. um, and for for our international listeners, I should say we're we're both in the U.S., so we're talking about a um, really a national trauma um, that, that occurred for us. And so, so tell us about that and, and, and what was your motivation for writing this book? Well, um, it goes back a little bit further than 9-11, but, um, it goes back to my brother-in-law when he had a lot of, a lot of losses in his life. And he too was asking, you know, what, why God? Why me God? And, and he was a Christian. Of course he was. He, his father was a minister. My husband's father, they traveled together and all. They had a great evangelistic team together uh, in the 70s. But in the 80s, um, when they started their jobs and things and work got slow and he started losing the home, losing things. His wife um, uh, had a bad chemical imbalance and um, he just started losing everything just about. And so he says, God, I thought I knew you, but now I want to know you more than I have ever, ever known you before, God. And show me who you are. Um, did uh, Was this my fault? Uh, could you have stopped it? Are you in total control? Are these things that I've heard? God, I want to know you. Show me Holy Spirit. You said your Holy Spirit would teach me. So here's the Bible. He started with King James Version. He uh, uh, Strong's Concordance. To get back to the the Hebrew and Greek, and uh, I got him ten books of history of Jewish history, and he started and covered what Jesus taught, said, and did first, and everything else has to line up with that. And he found that through the scriptures, from Genesis pointed to Jesus, Revelation pointed to Jesus, and God is not guilty for any of the adversities in our lives. And God is love. And so there was um, things that I haven't heard taught on that much or taught on before. It's kind of like a missing link in our theology mm-hmm. uh, that made God sound like he's the big bag wolf and that that um, all judgment and, and wrath comes from him, which it doesn't. It comes from the law of sin and death. And the Old Testament uh, authors, they didn't have the Holy Spirit joined them yet, see. And so God had to um, uh, use illustrations and, and all kinds of things to to talk with them. But they thought that God and the law of sin and death was one and the same. So that's what makes the Old Testament. That's one reason makes the Old Testament sound like God's a God of wrath and judgment. And um, and so this experience with your with your, your brother's experience was yes, the, his experience. was the, was the setup 
for a setup for me to start studying. And the more that I heard that that revelation and the more that I studied, the more it burnt inside of me. Sure. And I said, Keith, you've got uh, this is so awesome. To, to realize that that God is a God of help and love and and people don't have to be afraid of him and and uh, uh, and so I, the more that I saw that the more that I knew that God is a good God that he is love and so when 9/11 happened um, I asked Keith you know and I said can you write a book and he says no I can't write I can just teach and he taught like 300 lessons with 100 scriptures in each and he was a great teacher still is a great teacher and um and I said but but God what you know and he and I knew in my heart I was going to have to write I was going to be the writer you were going to be so, the one that yes but I didn't know how to get started until 9/11 happened and when that happened the next morning I uh, was praying on my treadmill and uh, grieving with God because I knew he'd get blamed. He knew mm -hmm. and I knew he would get blamed for it. And they would say, say it was his judgment. Say, and say, it say would be more. his own church saying it. Say more about that. Why do, why, why do you believe that, that God would, be, would get blamed because of how the, the churches have been? Theology. The, the theology right. that have been come that is coming out of the churches that they right. would blame that they would put the blame for this terrible tragedy on God yes. as God as God punishing punishing us our judgment yes our judgment okay say more and I the reason you. yes the reason that I that I felt like that was going to happen is because every, on the uh, Christian radios I listen to every single day. Uh, sometime in some in every sermon, they would blame God. God's in total control. Every death, every situation, bad or good, that happens, God either did it or allowed the devil to do it. Hmm. And then I, I knew in my heart all my life that could not be right because that would mean demons work for God. Hmm. Anyway, um, so I was praying. And I saw a vision of the Twin Towers that, that you know, that, that picture that stuck in our minds right. uh, that we first saw of the smoke and the two towers. And, and um, I saw that. And then I saw Jesus's face in the clouds crying tears like rain all over it as wow. a picture of God grieving over it. It was not him. He had nothing to do with it. But um, anyway. Um, this, this words came to me while I was praying and it becoming in first person, like God speaking straight to me and to America. And so I thought, Oh, I better write this down. And so I jumped off the treadmill and started writing with a Kleenex in one hand and a pencil in the other. And a little bit later, uh, I think that we might I read that that letter it was yeah. like first person words from god to america right but then my my uh call to really write and start writing was about a week later when i was uh driving home from work um and i was listening to a live broadcast of a memorial service at ground 11 at zero ground zero and um uh, this uh well-known minister 
was speaking and he said when he said just accept everything that happened here as God's will and purpose for everyone I just screamed out in the car no no and I was crying so hard I had to pull off the road in the parking lot and I just sat there and wept well I heard God's voice it was I know it was in my spirit but it was as real to me as that was an audible voice and he said to me now will you write your book if it kept one person from committing suicide or taking their life who thought I did something horrible in their life that I didn't do would you write it for that one and I said oh yes Lord I'd write it for just one and you know a few years later a client came in and she said, oh, I need you to pray for my family member. He said, he has um, Hodgkin's disease and said, he's so mad at God, said his wife, said it took her 30 minutes to talk him out of pulling the trigger to his head because he was so mad at God because of his illness and said, I need you to pray for him. I said, sure, I'll pray for him. But here, take this little blue book. Take this little blue book and give it to him and so she did and she comes back a couple of weeks later and she says oh my she said he read your book straight through twice and said now it is sitting on his uh table beside his bed along with his bible and he says when he does leave this earth he says i want you to be sure and put i have only one request is that you put my bible and this little blue book in the casket beside me. Mm. Comforting. So maybe comfort. that was that one. It was I wish that I could have gotten to him with uh, praying for the sick, but that didn't happen. But the most important miracle for his soul took place, and he had peace. He had peace. He had peace. Yes. So that that was very interesting how that happened. So how how long I know that you you indicated that you you were listening to to Christian radio and um you you felt um almost like you wanted to defend God in in yes. some fashion you wanted to defend God and um you wanted to express to any any one that one or that one hundred or that one thousand that um, God uh, well and it's the title of your book God doesn't do evil that good may come and yeah. so so that laid heavy on your heart and you felt like you and you had to write those you had to write those words down yes and um, so the next week. Um, that, that Saturday, that was Friday on Saturday. I, uh, told my girlfriend that I do her hair every day, every Saturday. I said, I told her about what had happened. And she said, well, just take off work next week and start your book. And I said, um, well, I'll do that. So I went up there and told them I went off three days along with my weekend. I've got something I got to do. And um, so I came home from work and, and my husband says, do you mind if I go to Florida and see my sister? I hadn't seen her in a long time. I don't have work next week. I said, oh, that's that's just wonderful. I have something I'm going to start. So I started writing. And um, to tell you the truth, um, I didn't take typing in high school. I exchanged typing for 
for advanced home mech so I can make draperies and decorate and do all these things. And, um, well, that so, sounds like more fun than typing. So I'll just say. And so I got out of typing class. And so at that point in 01, I could not type. I wrote the book in pencil and paper on notebook paper. And I wrote every single night. One night I looked back at the clock. Clock was behind me. And you could really write at night, no interruptions. And, um, it was five o'clock. A.M. And I, I ran and got in the bed and got one hour of sleep, got up, went to work, come back, wrote till 12 o'clock that night, wrote every night. I wrote a book. Um, actually, this was my first book that I had published myself, as you can see, uh, 440 pages. And uh, but I didn't have it uh, edited and I didn't have it marketed. So only a few people got this book. Well, then later on. Um, God sent a person to my salon and um, she was a Christian writer and also a Christian conference speaker, writers conference speaker in Florida. And he sent her to my, she only come to Memphis one time and she come into my salon and found out I was a writer and her daughter is, uh, was a great, great editor. And so she found out this and she took it home and long story short, her daughter edited for me, and her daughter got uh, ex- um, got a Creation House um, to uh, do the first book, part one. They d- divided that book into three different parts. And so, really, actually, I just got part two done. And, it, and of course, I wrote a whole lot more than what part two was in that book. And it was published this year, February the 14th. And then this book that we're speaking of right now, God Does Not Do Evil That Good May Come, this book was just released in a new release by Exlibris just October. Mm -hmm. And so it's brand new, and you can get them both now on Amazon. My, uh, and Barnes & Noble and Exlibris. And um, my third book is just about finished. These two books are actually the foundations for book three, and book three is the finale. Book three is the life application. Book three is on faith and healing and all kinds of miracles that I've witnessed. And uh, but to in, in the last chapter in it is accessing your own miracle. And um, so, in order to get to that point, I feel like it'd be good if people read book one and two for that foundation. And so, yeah, so that was one of the things that I was going to, that I was hoping that you would mention that this is actually the first book in a series. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, so thank you for mentioning that. And so, and while we're here on this subject, so tell, tell our listeners where they can find, um, their, the, well, where, where they can find you and your books. Okay. Um, uh, my email is Dolores, D-E-L-O-R-E-S at truth and hope ministries.com and you can buy the books Uh, you can order them from any bookstore but you can order them from Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Ex Libris that is X-L-I-B-R-I-S that's the publishing company and you're on YouTube right yes yes Uh ma'am awesome I've got got a new uh, YouTube account and so that we're just kind of putting things on there that interviews and 
advertisements. There's a, a, a YouTube advertisement. So is this, all the shadows. is this is this book, um, this first book in the series, is it for all ages? Do, do people need to be versed in the Bible to connect with your book or to understand the message? No, ma'am. I believe uh, that it's for everyone. In fact, I wrote for the unchurched. Um, when I was writing this book, I wrote most, most of it in tears. I felt like I was a lawyer for God, and I felt like that I was standing on top of the North Pole speaking to the whole world. Um, uh, it is written on sixth grade level English. I have tried, uh, I guess one of the most challenging things would be that I uh, tried to make it simple enough, but yet complete enough to not leave anything out to make it make sense. And actually, this revelation of God makes more sense to me than anything that I had heard all my life. God is love and God is not guilty of orchestrating the adversities in anyone's life. And this and this is actually the the primary message that you want to yes. convey that, yes. that God that God is love and yes. God is not the perpetrator of evil on in in the land on the earth right. and with people. Right. So so and what the first church yes. Go go no go. Okay. The first church had the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I come that you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, the Father judges no man, neither did I come to judge man. But he said, the Father has given me all power to judge, judge the prince of this earth, which he did at Calvary. And people said, well, there's still evil here. Yes, there's still evil here. But when Jesus went away, he said to the church, he says, he gives them the great commission. And he says, now. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. He says, now I want you to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I want you to take the gospel and finish what I did. Take my gospel to the whole world and signs and wonders and, and you know, will follow you. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And he says, and these same works that I do, you shall do. And even greater than these shall you do because I go to the Father. And so Jesus, but he told them, he says, but don't go anywhere and don't try to do anything until you go to the upper end first, till you pray first and be equipped with the power that you need over all the power of the enemy. Well, God set up through Jesus a divine partnership. And this is where the church, I think, has missed it. They've, they've missed, I've not heard the divine partnership preached on because instead of a divine partnership, God working through us, in us, and through us, doing his work on this earth, they've got God over here doing everything by himself. Mm. And if God is in total control of every situation, good and evil, what do we have to do with anything? Mm. Why do we pray? Why do we vote? Why do we do anything? See, right. that's just not true. God is the God of love, and his Calvary gifts are healing for spirit, soul, and body. He has everything we need if we only trust in him, believe in him. He's as close as a whispered prayer. He's just that close. And so I really wrote these books. Now, of course, I want everyone to get them. And I think that to the Christian, I think that this book, God Out of the Shadows to the Christian, it's part one is who is God the Father? 
part two, who is God the Son, and part three, who is God the Holy Spirit. I think that it will help the Christian to understand and know who God is. Dolores, you indicated um, earlier that uh, people did not need to be versed in the Bible um, to to connect with your book, but you had another message for the peop- those who are unchurched, you, you said. So say, say more about that. Well, every thought is backed up by pure scripture. Mm-hmm. The King James Version with the Strong's Concordance, the, the Greek and the Hebrew, and even dictionary meanings. And I have been told by my um, uh, publishing company that this was a study book, that it should be in every college. And this is your second book. Uh, that's that's God, actually the second book. God out, God out of the shadows. God right? out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. It, it just goes into God's character even more and even more. more. Okay. But it's still kept simple on a sixth grade level for everyone to understand. And I think that they both answer questions that have been unanswered for mankind for far too long. Now, I, I do not mean I, I know it all. No, I do not know all of God's great books. But I do feel like this is the foundation of Christianity. The foundation of Christianity must be God's character. And it must be his true character. Because if we've got it wrong, if we've got his character wrong, we cannot keep learning line upon line and precept upon precept here. Little, there, little. The Holy Spirit can't show us if we've got God's character wrong. So the devil has got us kind of trapped. He's kind of stolen our miracles. I see. I understand. And he's kind of paralyzed the church. I, I now, I'm not saying every church and every Christian. I don't mean that. But I'm talking about overall in America. So, so thank thank you for for sharing that. So, I, I understand um, that you have an excerpt that you would like to share with our listeners. And so, and if you're if you're ready, first, I'd like you to give it a little, a bit of an intro. So, you know, set the tone, the time, and the place for what you're about to share, and then just just go on and just you know, and then share it with us. Okay. Um, actually, this was the first words that I penned. When I started my very first book, okay, this was what I wrote on the morning after the very darkest day in America. That terrible day, 9-11. Yes. Okay. And I got off my treadmill, like I was telling about, and started writing this in tears as I grieved a tiny bit of what God was grieving a whole lot of, because he knew he would get the blame from his own church. Anyway, this is it. Okay. The day after the darkest day in America, a letter from God, September the 12th, 2001. Dear America, you are asking, how did this happen? Whose fault was it? Could it have been prevented? Why were American churches filled last night on 9-11? Was it because they thought it was my wrath and judgment on America? Did they think that they must go and repent from their sins lest I do some greater judgment? Did they go and pray out of their fear of me? Were they pleading and begging me for mercy to help the wounded? It is through their prayers that angels are loosed. 
which enables heaven to move. Then at my commands, my angels help and minister to people. Oh, my people perish for the lack of knowledge of my word and the knowledge of me. No, it is not my judgment on America. Do not believe it took this horrible thing at this cost of all these lives, this nightmare, to bring America revival. It took only one to come and die for the sins of this world. It took only one to come and judge the prince of this world and give authority back to mankind to judge devils and break the power of darkness to bring real revival. It took the sinless lamb. I was that sinless lamb once and for all. No one needs to give his or her life to bring revival. I do not do evil that good may come. Without knowledge, man is confused. Oh, so confused. People will say, look what good came out of this. The churches are full. But I tell you, if they are coming with a confused because they think it was my wrath and judgment, this will not bring about a truly great and lasting revival to America. It is my goodness and my love that draws mankind unto repentance. Without the truth of the knowledge of me, America will perish. Her enemy, Satan, will have more victory if Americans are told that I did this. It is not I who brought this horrible disaster. Neither did I allow Satan to do it for my purpose. Believe me, I had nothing, I had nothing to do with it. The spiritual temperature of the church in a nation affects the spiritual temperature of its nation. The church has been cold and selfish, worried more about their retirements and their money than the harvest of souls. If every Christian in America really knew what the power of their own prayers could do. If they only knew my word and that after Calvary, I have given each the weapons of warfare. If they only knew that they wrestled not with flesh and blood, but the principalities of darkness. And that I will give them power over all the power of the enemy. There would be never a need to go to war with guns and iron. If my people, any of them, had been deep enough in my spirit, they could have heard my divine voice flow up out of their spirit to their mind. It is through my gifts that I communicate to my people the enemy's plans and warn them of what he is doing. I did it before. It is recorded in the scriptures. Some had heard in part. But it was so bizarre, they did nothing about it. The Spirit of the Lord then reminded me of these most precious promises from his word. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change not. My word will not pass away. Have faith in me. Learn of me. For I will never leave you nor forsake you. Trust in me. Cast all your cares and worries upon me. Because I care for you. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lean not on your own understanding, but learn of me. Receive my peace, for I have a peace like no other can give. 
I am love. And I love you with a greater love than you can even comprehend. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Sincerely, your Heavenly Father and Savior, Jesus. Mm. Powerful. Powerful. That calm in tears with Kleenex in one hand and a pencil in the other. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us, Dolores. You're welcome. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we close? Uh, this book one has got a couple of, a couple of, um, it's got several things in it um, that I haven't heard taught on before. But it's got a couple of chapters, the rest of the Easter story mm-hmm. and chapter 12, um, the uh, when was the war in heaven? Those two things and those two actions uh, and, and scenes took place right at salvation, at the resurrection. And um, the rest of the Easter story um, is, is about... Jesus, you know, um, he did not, the father did not, God, the father did not turn his face from Jesus and reject him because he couldn't look on sin. Uh, the King James Version, he, uh, they used, you know, there's several words in the Strong's Concordance in the Greek and the Hebrew for each word at, at different ways that word was used. And sometimes the interpreters uh, took one uh, and they should have taken another. Uh, just like um, you can't get to heaven unless you hate your mother and father. Well, you know the Ten Commandments says if you love them, your life is going to be long on this earth. So it should have said love less. That's just an example. So what Jesus said when he said, my father, my father, why is that? For me, he actually said, my deity, my deity, which was the God in him. Why? For this intent. Forsake me. And then he immediately said, Into thy hands, Father, I commend my spirit. He had told his disciples, No one will take my life, I will lay it down and I will pick it up. Mm. So he had to lay down the God in him, the deity in him. He had to give it up to be able to hang on that cross as man alone to take on the sins from Adam and Eve to the end of time. And so he immediately pushed his spirit away from him to the Father. But Jesus knew David's prophecy about him that the father would not leave my soul in hell. Neither will he he allow this body to see corruption. Well, he wasn't talking. David wasn't talking about himself because his body did see corruption. Jesus found those prophecies of him and he knew that the, the Holy Spirit would join back to him when the demons took his soul to hell. Well, about the time that the that, that Lucifer and the demons thought, we got him now. There's no redemption. We got him now. It's all, it's all in vain. Then the Holy Spirit, like a huge laser light of power and brightness, came into Jesus. And he started preaching from the Old Testament to the New, all the prophecies about him in first person. And don't you know that Judas 
just hollered out and screamed out and said, this is the Messiah. This is Messiah. Don't you know he fell at Jesus' feet? And Jesus picked him up and loved him and hugged him and said, Judas, I forgive you. I forgave them when they nailed my hands. I forgave you, you know. And, and he, and, uh, he preached all of the things about him. And then Jesus brought up those souls with him. Don't you know they all come with him? The biggest number, largest number, no man could number. They come up to Jesus, and I imagine that uh, Jesus fought demons off, and he let them all out. And, um, and there is a scripture that speaks of Jesus blowing fire, fury out of his nostrils and looking back. And that is when I think that hell got its flames. It wasn't meant for people. Hell got its flames for the fallen angels and Lucifer. Hmm. Well, that, that's that, pretty that, powerful. That, bringing all them up with him. That imagery. That's a that's a book all by itself, Dolores. And so we we would be here a little too long for us to talk about that because that's a, that's a, actually a perspective that I've not heard before. So thank you for sharing yes. that. And thank the you other one that. is, is a, and then the other chapter that is really exciting in that, well, in well, that book. Well, first of all, we don't want to give it okay. all away. We want we want people to buy your book, right? So don't okay. give don't give it all away. Yeah. So yeah, stay oh, tuned. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. yeah, we wanna we wanna leave them with with a little bit of curiosity because we want them to go, you go. find your book um, on um, at Amazon. I'm going to repeat it for our listeners: Barnes and okay. Noble and Ex Libris and yes. YouTube. Um, and so I want to thank you again for, for sharing with us today, um, Dolores. And um, also email Dolores at Dolores at truthandhopeministries.com. Did I get that right? Yeah. Dolores at truthandhopeministries.com. So you can talk directly to her. And so we've been talking to Dolores Porter author of God Doesn't Do Evil, That Good May Come, subtitled again, The Truth About God. And you've been listening to Seasons of Spirituality. And again, I am today's host, Juliet Doris Williams. Thanks for listening. Take good care. Mm -hmm.